Well, it's been quite a while since I talked about movies, so that's what this episode is dedicated to. We're going to review some of the latest films. My name is Luke Clayton, and this is Connection Culture. to this episode. I am glad as always to have you with us and I do hope that if you haven't yet that you will subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and I hope in particular that you'll subscribe to our YouTube channel and I want to thank the many of those of you who have over this past few weeks. The numbers for our subscribers has been going up so let's uh, let's keep that trend going. Uh, to subscribe, all you got to do is go to youtube.com slash must increase. And when you subscribe, you will get every new episode and every new video that we drop on our channel. So again, head over to youtube.com slash must increase and subscribe to our YouTube channel there. Of course, the best way for you to make sure that you don't miss any of our content is to sign up for our weekly emails. And that is where simply once a week, we send you the latest episode, which we generally drop every week. To sign up for that, just go to mustincrease.com slash cc. That's mustincrease.com slash letter c, letter c. Sign up to get each uh, email, or rather each episode, rather, delivered to you by way of email. There we go. And you can do that again at mustincrease.com slash cc. All right, so I've seen a lot of movies over the past few weeks and just have not had a chance to formally, I suppose, review them. And I will uh, just do this before we get into it. I guess I will give you a spoiler alert, not because I'm going to intentionally plan to spoil anything. However, I can't promise you that I won't. And so I, there, I very well could get to uh, the end of uh, recording this episode and realize, oh, well, look at there, I did spoil it. So I'm going to give you a spoiler alert right now, just in case, uh, but uh, I, I really am going to be very careful about it, but uh, it's just, just a disclaimer. So let's get right into it. I'm just going to go in order of the movies that I have seen over the past few weeks and uh, just uh, just kind of knock out the list in the order of which I saw them. So let's get right to it. The first is No Time to Die, which is, of course, the final installment of Daniel Craig as James Bond. Uh, here's a quick synopsis. The last film, Spectre, uh, well, that one ended with James Bond appearing to enter retirement, which is actually where we pick up this film. Uh, but Bond is soon reluctantly called out of retirement for one last mission to, of course, save the world. Along the way, he's introduced to a few new characters, and he's reunited with many of the classic franchise characters. And speaking of that, we actually do say goodbye to multiple of these classic and possibly beloved characters, as they are, to be honest with you, killed off. Now, that's not a spoiler, because I didn't tell you who, but it does happen. Now, in the end, uh, Bond does, of course, accomplish his mission. He saves the world. 
And it was common knowledge uh, going into this film that this would be uh, definitely be Daniel Craig's last turn as James Bond. And I, in my opinion, I believe they give him a very satisfying and even honorable uh, send off as he, uh, like I said, as his time as James Bond comes to an end. Overall, I really enjoyed the film and I found it to be much better than the last installment. I wasn't a huge fan of Spectre. I thought it was kind of weak. And uh, comparing it to the other films, at least in the Daniel Craig series, I would probably place it right beside, right behind rather, uh, Casino Royale. And as of now, I'd probably say it's actually tied for second with Skyfall. Uh, I would definitely recommend it for adults and you know older teens, depending on the viewing standards of of your home in particular. Uh, which of course brings me to a section that we're more or less calling the parents' guide. Now. In, uh, when it comes to James Bond, there are kind of three defining factors of this character in general, regardless of who is portraying him. And uh, he's, he's always British. He is, of course, a spy. And he's a ladies' man. The British element, that always brings the, the sense of class to the franchise with his tuxedos and requesting his martinis to be shaken and not stirred. And then the spy element provides the action adventure and some violence. And then, of course, there is the ladies factor. Well, that's just to put it bluntly, always given Bond that sex appeal. Now, that said, uh, that all the Daniel Craig movies, at least from what I've observed, had tended to be less heavy on this ladies man component. Not just it's definitely there, but it's not so heavy. In fact, No Time to Die is the least sensual of what I remember from all the Bond movies, at least that I've seen, which at this point is, is almost all of them. Uh, now, not to say that it's completely free, again, of any of this type of content, but these moments are very mild and, and they're pretty brief. Now, let's move on to what I'm calling woke moments to watch for. Of course, nowadays, every major film seems to try to check the boxes to have proper representation of the so-called marginalized groups based on race, gender identity, and, and then most commonly the uh, LGBT plus crowd. And No Time to Die does indeed offer its penance to appease the woke mob in this area in particular. And while there really is nothing explicitly portrayed, there is a key scene in which it is implicitly revealed that one of those franchise classics in terms of the character is in fact a member of the LGBT community. Now, of course, this is conveniently positioned in such a way that it could be easily edited out so that it could be presented in other large countries that may or may not be China and many countries in Africa and the Middle East. But I digress. Again, it, it's subtle, it's brief, but it's definitely there. And it's going to be apparent to anyone who's older than like 12. So that moves us on to the my official uh, rating and review of the film. I'm going to give each film that I review here three, I guess, forms of ratings. Uh, the first will be a content rating, which is more or less me confirming if the film's rating by the Motion Picture Associa Association is accurate or not. And the next will uh, simply be a one to five star rating based on the quality of story and the overall, you know, 
the quality of the, the, the movie and the experience. And then lastly, I'll be giving a where to watch recommendation, which I'm finding is becoming really, really crucial in our era of uh, theaters and streaming uh, and more streaming than theaters nowadays, it seems like. And so this is essentially where I'll suggest if you should see it in theaters or just watch it uh, at home on streaming. Now, in terms of the actual content rating, when it comes to No Time to Die, I think that they did get it right with a PG-13 rating. Again, this is pretty subjective based on the standards uh, that you may have in place for your home and family in particular, but I believe I would be comfortable with allowing you know, my teenager to watch it if I had a teenager. The woke moment in particular of this film, I believe, is a perfect example of an opportunity to actually teach your kids what to watch out for in terms of you know, ideology that might counter your family's values that is coming down from many of these filmmakers and producers. And then for the star rating of this film, I'm actually going to go ahead and give it five stars. And that's probably being generous because it's not like I think it's the best movie ever. I suppose if I was giving half stars, it may actually be more of a four and a half stars, but I'll go ahead and round it up and give it a full five stars because I'm feeling nice and I did enjoy the movie. Uh, and finally, for watch it in theaters versus watch it at home. When it comes to No Time to Die, I would say either. I enjoyed the theatrical experience, but I am a little biased towards theaters. But you're really not missing much if you want to watch it at home. And as of now, it is available to stream. I think you can purchase it on like Amazon Prime and iTunes and so forth. So you can go ahead and stream it and watch it at home. And I do believe it's still in many theaters as well. So take your pick. Overall, I enjoyed No Time to Die, and it's definitely one of the better films that I have seen in the past few months, unlike the next one, which is the Venom sequel. So I'm actually going to review both of the Venom movies because I watched them both in the span of just a few days. Uh, so Venom is essentially this. I'll give you a... As simple, I guess, as an explanation I can. He's called, I believe, a symbiote. And it's basically this uh, this thing that came from space and, and it requires, it's like an organism that requires a host body. And so it's like a little thing. And, and this is not the first time it's been on screen. It was introduced in the third Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker movie. Uh, Peter Parker Spider, not Peter Parker Spider Man movie, uh, when Tobey Maguire portrayed Peter Parker and Venom got a hold of him and then it moved on to the Topher Grace character. It's kind of a mess. Uh, and uh, it, I should mention, continuing the, the uh, kind of theme of being a messy film, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyways, that's what Venom is this, this, this life form that's more or less a black goo that requires a body to host it. A, and, and then when it gets a hold of a human body, it takes over and all this stuff. It's, it, it's weird. It's weird. Uh, it's important to note that Venom is actually an anti-hero, which is basically, he, that means he's a villain. Uh, Venom was written originally to be a villain, uh, particularly, again, in the Spider-Man comic book series. Um, and uh, But in this case, when he's an anti-hero, well, they're basically just having a villain play a lead role because, you know, you got to make money off these comic characters somehow, you know, right? Well, so uh, I'm telling you that because Venom, since he is technically an anti-hero, he does some unethical things that your, you know, true superhero wouldn't necessarily do. You know, Batman, at least the Christian Bale version of Batman, you know, his one rule was he didn't kill. Venom doesn't care. Uh, there's a lot of just kind of 
they're, they're, yeah, they're, anyways, I, like I said, I'm getting my own. So here is the synopsis of the first Venom movie. So Eddie Brock, portrayed by Tom Hardy. He's this news reporter, vlogger type thing, and uh, who gets dumped by his girlfriend, played by Michelle Williams, there in about the first act of the film. And then uh, these symbiotes, they come from space. Uh, one of them, called Venom, attaches to Tom Hardy's character. Another one attaches to the bad guy. And then they turn into their respective Venom-like characters. They fight. Venom wins. The end. Oh, and uh, Tom Hardy um, and Venom, uh, as Venom, eats people. Like I said, it's, it's super weird. It's super weird. So to continue in this spirit uh, of weirdness, if you will, let's move on to talking about Venom, Let There Be Carnage, the sequel movie that, that came out this year. The other Venom movie, by the way, came out in 2018, I believe. And the Venom Let There Be Carnage just came out last month, and uh, or October. Uh, so here's here's what happens uh, in Venom Let There Be Carnage. So Tom Hardy visits Woody Harrelson's character. His name is Cletus Cassidy, if I remember correctly. He's a serial killer. Uh, he's on death row. Uh, Cletus bites Tom Hardy. Yes, you heard that right. He bites him, which results in Cletus turning into his own version of Venom. But this time, but this this version of this symbiote is named Carnage. Cletus breaks out of jail using this newfound power he has. Uh, and then he breaks out his girlfriend, who has a super power of screaming really loud. No joke. That's, that's her thing. She screams really loud. He breaks her out of an insane asylum. And meanwhile, Eddie Brock and Venom uh, break up as Venom moves on looking for another host body. And, and this, this sequence is, is in the whole sequel, and, and it, this is all really just, it gets more and more bizarre than really the first one ever did. Uh, it's got odd scenes such as Venom at a nightclub doing like, acting like it's a costume. It, it's just weird. And then there's more conversations about needing to eat human brains for nourishment. So it's a bunch of weird stuff. So in terms of a parent's guide, I mean, I suppose it would be okay for some older teenagers, but overall the character of Venom is weird and he's just really kind of gross. Like I said, he eats brains. Uh, they, there's like this tongue, like he sticks his tongue in the mouth of, of people to kill them. And, and again, I know a lot of this is based on the actual comic book. So, you know, for those of you who are comic book fans, you know, it is what it is. But anyways, I just find it weird, and portraying on screen for me for some reason was really weird. I mean, even though the Spider-Man 3 version of Venom, you know, back uh, years ago was was still off, I don't know. I like the way they did Venom there. It wasn't as, it, like I said, it just wasn't as weird and gross. I, I don't know. So anyways, not to mention... Uh, Woody Harrelson's character, he's just a sick and demented dude uh, in general before he ever becomes a symbiote. And so becoming this Carnage character just takes that a step further. Uh, at the end of the day, due to all the weird aspects of these movies, it's really hard for me to picture, you know, like a family sitting down to watch this movie together. Uh, now, there's really no woke moments to watch for, at least from what I can remember. Um, but there's there's also a good chance I just don't remember because so much of this film is... Very, very forgettable. Uh, so uh, for the rating, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I can see how, in terms of the content rating, that is. I, I guess I can see how it meets the requirements for PG-13 when it comes to language and violence. But then again, there, there's a good bit of action violence and the whole vintage venom and uh, venom and carnage, rather, symbiote creatures. They just look so, especially Carnage, they just look so creepy and nasty. There's a part of me that thinks rather, I mean, it definitely rides the line, you know, between PG-13 and R. And there's a part of me that just thinks 
they should have just gone all in on on the R thing and just kind of took a Deadpool approach uh, and just made this like a rated R type of antihero. But, you know, that, that's not what they did. But, but like I said, uh, this just wouldn't be something I'd watch with my family, either at home or at the theater. Uh, I give both movies, both Venom movies, two out of five stars. It, it's only getting the first star because I'm not giving out zero star reviews. And then the second star is earned because... Tom Hardy really is the saving grace of the film. Uh, if anyone else would have uh, been casted in that role, I really have very little confidence that these movies would have been received as well as they have been. If I had to pick one of the movies over the other, I suppose I would pick the first Venom only because the sequel just takes the weirdness to a whole new level. Uh, the best part of both these films, uh, any of them, uh, the whole, I guess the whole saga of Venom though far, the, thus far is the mid credit scene of the sequel, which uh, admittedly, I'll admit, it was it was pretty intriguing. That, that part was, I don't want to say if it was worth the whole movie just for that, um, but, you know, I would say... If nothing else, if you're a Marvel fan in general, uh, Google, you know, Venom mid-credit scene and watch it. And, and you know, you, you might be intrigued as well. Uh, if, uh, if they can capitalize, though, on what I'm seeing here, like I said, try not to spoil it, of what, what happens in that mid-credit scene. If they can capitalize on, on what they seem to be setting up with the scene, I may come around to Venom in the future uh, without, again, giving too much away. They seem to be positioning Venom as a true villain moving forward, which is what he was always intended to be. And so to me, that's, that's better because these movies, again, they're making him out to be some form of a hero because he's the lead, but he, he would be, I can see there are a lot of potential there for him to be a good Venom. And because again, I like Tom Hardy and I would love to see villain face off against say, you know, Spider-Man and uh, as an actual bad guy, uh, because this whole Venom as an anti-hero thing, I, I, I just can't emphasize enough. It's just not working for me. Uh, speaking of which, when it comes to watching this in a theater or watching at home, I'd say it doesn't matter. Uh, even though it's available to watch at home now, uh, if you never saw these movies, you wouldn't be missing much. I only say, I only saw it, uh, I, I only saw it myself, I should say, in the theater because overall, uh, just like going to the, I, I just, again, I just enjoy going to the movies, but put it this way, they are for sure a one and done experience for me, so I won't be watching either of these movies again, neither at the theater or at home. However, this next film, uh, would actually be worth a trip to your local movie theater, and that is the sci-fi film Dune. Well, I'm actually going to take a break right there for this episode, and we will pick it up in the next episode with and continuing our movie review, so be sure to join us this week. And if you want to make sure that you don't miss the next episode or any episode, remember you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash increase. And the best way to make sure you never miss content from us is to subscribe to our weekly emails. You can do this completely free at mustincrease.com slash cc. That's mustincrease.com slash letter C, letter C. You can also see the link in our show notes for either our link to YouTube or to sign up for these emails. Well, Connection Culture is a production of the Must Increase Network. And again, you can visit mustincrease.com to also learn more about what we do for churches and families. And until next time, I want to encourage you, get behind what you believe in. 
When you, for example, like and share uh, this episode, uh, it's a very small but significant way to be a creative contributor because you are sharing and helping us get the word out and help others uh, like you and your family. And so like, share. If you have any questions, you can always drop a comment and uh, look forward to seeing those. And uh, But you got to get, no matter how you do it, you got to get behind what you believe in because it's so much more fulfilling to be that meaningful, creative contributor than it is to just be that mindless, constant consumer. I'll see you next time right here on Connection Culture.